Many of us have recently been around family, around friends, perhaps around new acquaintances. And if you've been around people at all these recent days or, or really any time in these recent times, it, there is something catching. Feels like there's a cough here, sniffle there. Next thing you know, they, you've got it, they've got it. The whole room's caught it. Soon enough, everyone's sort of quarantined off into their different places. What is the thing that is catching? Research shows that rudeness is like the common cold. It's contagious. It spreads quickly. Anyone can be a carrier. At work, at home, online, or in our communities, and getting infected doesn't take much. This from Georgetown University's management professor, Christine Porath, in her feature article, Frontline Work When Everybody is Angry, featured in November's Harvard Business Review. Dr. Porath has studied incivility for a couple decades, over a couple decades at this point, and her most recent study shows a notable uptick in incivility around the world, actually. She defines incivility as, quote, rudeness, disrespect, or insensitive behavior. And it has been felt most acutely, she writes, no surprise, among frontline workers. And we have all read stories of unruly airline passengers. Maybe we've witnessed a, a, a barista or a nurse or a customer service representative take a verbal barrage that just seems so uncalled for. Maybe we've attended a little league sporting event where uh, a parent's comments are unhinged towards the referee. Or a PTA meeting where a parent's comments are unhinged. Or perhaps we've been on the receiving end of, of something really rude, surprisingly disrespectful and abrupt. And, or maybe all we've done is simply follow along on social media and the news and seen that no-holds-barred approach of communication that ah, can feel so pervasive. The thing is, of course, when you're in a room and, 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 and no matter which direction you, you look, someone's coughing, someone's sneezing. It can be pretty tough not to catch the cold yourself, right? One of the biggest takeaways from my decades of research is that incivility usually arises from ignorance, not malice. Yes, Dr. Porath does go on to explain, some know exactly what they're doing. But the majority of people actually have no idea just how their words, their tone, their way of being are communicating this virus. <laughs> into the world, which raises a question for us as the church. For the many ways we could readily point out where the cold is unfolding all around, is it possible the church has caught any of the cough of rudeness, the runny nose of constant gossip, the hoarse voice of strident disrespect, the fever of unrestrained anger. And honestly, is it possible that the thing has just lingered so long and everybody else has it that we really didn't notice? Paul's words to the church at Rome are an urgent call for the church to wake up and notice. He's clear. 
right? The light of Jesus Christ, of, of, of light of life that is Jesus Christ, is 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 dawning in this world. That light is is on the horizon, having broken the darkness. Quote: The night of sin and death is over. The dawn of full light is about to break visibly across the horizon. Our passage reads. We can't afford to waste a minute is how the message translates the sentiment of, of this passage as we think about the church is called to tell of this good news, to, to, to participate in this light dawning news. But Paul also observes, you heard, the church is asleep. Too many in the church are unaware of just how heavily the ailments of darkness are weighing on them. He lists six of the ailments that are keeping the church asleep. Reveling in drunkenness, debauchery and licentiousness, quarreling and jealousy. Those same words are also translated into such things as intemperance, insolence, bickering, divisiveness. And among the things Paul is most concerned about, there's an accent on a lack of moderation. An unrestrained kind of behavior, rudeness, disrespect, a way of being that's creating or further inflaming division and jealousy. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, to a church dealing with division, Maybe no surprise. And it's, 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 a, it's clear that at some level, he sees the church has caught the common cold. And when I think about this virus of vitriol in our own day, the way, again, that it plays out in our politics and our little leagues, coffee shops and social media, airplanes, hospitals, and yes, the church, I'm struck by the fact that some would argue it's not a virus. What with these times, it's what's needed. If you want to be heard, if you want to get something done. By which I think we usually mean it's what you do if you want to win. Many are the reasons for this rise of rudeness in our society. But among them is that as we grow more anxious about the future or the other side, or the economy, or or our children, or the world we're handing to our children, we find the need to win becoming more and more important. I mean, we we need to win our side, our right, our vote, our future, our... And many of the particular concerns behind these sentiments are are not small. No, they are. They are really important. I, I just wonder if winning, as it's typically understood, is the fundamental goal for the people of Jesus Christ. If it is, then we do. We know how to dress for success in this world, right? right? Every time we lay a fresh barrage of, 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 of disdain, of blame casting, gossip, or every time we ourselves, we would never do that, but yeah. We cheer for our favorite leader, our favorite politician, our favorite preacher, our, our, our favorite work colleague, our favorite school board member who has no problem doing what we call the dirty business of whatever ugly stuff it takes to smash the opponent. Well, any of that is 
what you call dressing for success. Don't mind the cough, the runny nose, the hoarse voice, the fever, the sickening of within that keeps happening. Because we're winning. Paul's word is direct. Wake up, Church of Jesus Christ. The most fundamental message has already been given to you. Jesus Christ has already won in life and in death. The dawn of, of new life and life eternal is breaking on the horizon right now. Darkness is defeated. It is what is rising. And in fact, that light is shown upon you and lives in you and through you. This is your most fundamental reality. There is no need to pull out the power suit of success. It's killing you anyway, by the way. What then, Paul? If we are waking up to the fact that, that maybe too often we do appreciate that particular suit, or maybe we'd never touch that suit, but we kind of do like cheering for people who wear that suit for our causes. What's it look like for the church not to worry about the power suit of success? What should we put on, Paul? Twice in our very short passage from Romans, put on, clothe yourself in the armor of light. Put on, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. When walking in this world, there is an outfit. It's not the power suit. It's Jesus. In other words, dress in a way that communicates you're not trying to win at all costs, but that the light has come, the light has won, and the light, the light is good. You know, I was in a drive through line for Starbucks the other day, um, and I was kind of sitting there mentally running through my to-do list, the meetings to come, uh, trying to flip through my little calendar to see what, 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 what's going on, just sort of lost in my own little world. I'm picking up one of those protein boxes they sell for a, for a quick lunch, and I get to the the window ready to pay and the woman she looks she looks down at me she smiles and she says the person in front of you wanted to cover this you're good to go i looked up i hadn't even noticed who or what car was in front of me and i i see that car is just taken right out of the parking lot into the traffic i don't recognize the car the person as far as i could tell but this moment, it, it immediately pulled me out of this mental to-do list, lost in my own little world, doing my thing. And it kind of felt freeing, a little jarring in a good way. Why did this person do this for me? All the talk I, I hear is just worry about money and is there going to be enough in the economy? And they spent money on me? Could I do that kind of thing? It's such a small moment in the scheme of things, but it reoriented the rest of my day. And it made me appreciate again this most basic truth. Kindness, generosity, love, the way of Jesus. It's its own contagion too, isn't it? 
But it makes no sense. In a world of fear, to wear generosity. In a world of division, to wear reconciliation. In a world where you, you, you do whatever it takes to get ahead. To wear justice. In a world where you want to get in right with the, with the right people. To wear hospitality unto the marginalized, unto the other side. In a world of anxiety, to wear peace. In a world where so many are ever trying to find a better power suit. To wear Jesus is a bit like showing up to the Christmas party with a tacky Christmas sweater. Not because Jesus is tacky, but, but if he's really shining through us, I mean, we are going to stand out. Bright, bold, beautiful, different. Does that look really work in this world? There's simply no way we can show up to the party that is called this world and not be noticed if we are leading with kindness, generosity, and love. And what with the cold that's been catching these many days, surely, surely it's a time for a sweater. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? May the light of Jesus Christ shine upon you and through you this Advent season. May, may it communicate the dawn that is at hand. May it surprise and reorient you. May wearing this unlikely sweater awaken all of us to just how sick the power suit has been making us all. I want to end this sermon by giving us this chance to put on, pray on, the reality of Jesus this morning. Because I do imagine our days, with the way they go, it can be too infrequent that we have an opportunity to consciously receive upon our very souls the attire of Jesus, of Jesus in a fresh way. And we're going to go about this by, by simply hearing a few Brief words from Jesus, directly from the Bible, and letting the Holy Spirit impress them upon us as the Holy Spirit wants to impress them upon us. My hope is by the end of our time before this scripture and the end of this service, if there's something catching among us, it's kindness and generosity and love.